everybody welcome back we are finally having a discussion i was talking about a month ago and that some of you know i've been trying to figure out how to say for like a year and a half now and haven't been able to so we're gonna see how this goes and see if i can finally get it out with the help of two people as this is kind of a two-part episode even though it's one they're both they're it's not, it's two separate conversations, but it's the same conversation and it's all super complicated because what else is new with us? So, Dr. Hudson is back. Dr. Brian Hudson is back and he is going to help me start the conversation. Next week, hopefully, assuming that schedules work out, Pastor Bowman is gonna be back. Joel Bowman is gonna be back and he's gonna help me finish the conversation because the three of us have been having this conversation in a group chat and Dr. Hudson has written a couple of different articles that, or no, it's one article, sorry, one article that has almost made it possible for me to finally get something out of my head that I've been trying to. So even if you don't want to listen to this, I need to get this out before it, it just destroys my mind completely. So Dr. Hudson, you are back. We, you kind of started the conversation in the group chat after Joel and I did our mental health episode back in the summertime. We are trying to put words to the concept of what it actually means to be a Christian in the world, which is super complex, which is why I can't ever figure out how to say it right in, a, in one sitting. <laughs> And so the questions that we are going to walk through with everybody is we want to ask, what does it mean to be a Christian from an ecclesiology standpoint, which is what does it mean to be the church? From a missiology standpoint, what does it mean to be a Christian? And the part that you and I are going to really dive into today is from a worldview standpoint of what does it actually mean to be in the world, but not of the world? Because that phrase is used by a lot of people in a lot of different contexts. And in a lot of situations, it seems like it's just nonsense the way it's used. So we're going to start actually with an article that you wrote. And I'm hoping you're going to be able to kind of help walk us through it a little bit. You wrote an article, The Inertia of the Christian Worldview. Was it When, when did you write this? I forgot to look. Was it 2020? 2024? It was... Uh... Re originally, I believe I wrote that in yeah, 2020. Wrote that in 2020. I did. I revised was it a this, couple of times. Mm -hmm. Was it was this part of your book or was this uh, just leading up to it? It's separate from the book. It okay. was really an article, kind of out of my concerns about the phrase worldview and and different opinions about what it is and and how it's applied, and that just came out of that concern that I had. So what we'll we'll just start there because like you said the concern was basically what I I've been trying to figure out how to articulate is what it actually what it actually means to have a worldview and what it means to be a Christian worldview versus a biblical worldview versus versus whatever label you want to put on it. 
So the first question with that would be what what do you mean by you had concern about the way worldview is being used? What was the actual concern? The concern was that when I listened to believers talk about worldview, they mainly use that term in the context of what their view of the world should be and their opinion about what other people's worldviews are. And as I read and researched and looked for definitions of worldview, I found that they were very different, uh, very subjective in nature, uh, not objective at all. Uh, I'll give you one example. It's in the article. This is from the Union University, a Southern Baptist Convention College. And on the website, uh, they address this matter of students having to needing to form a worldview. And so a worldview must seek to answer the questions like, where do we come from? Who are we? What has gone wrong with the world? And what solution can be offered to fix it? Now, when you start with questions like that, those are loaded questions. Where we came from, I get that. God made us. Who are we? Well, Imago Day. But what is going wrong with the world? Now that becomes highly subjective. And then when you ask the question, what solution can we offer to fix it? Then of course, you know, the answer is Jesus is a solution, right? What solution? Singular, not solutions, you know. So from this reading and other readings, you you won't find two statements identical. Mm -hmm. Every definition I've seen of worldview is different. For example, from a homeschool curriculum, this is in, in my article, the links are in the article, the uh, citations are there to follow up and review. A Christian homeschool curriculum advertised a book offered to prepare students to guard against harmful uh, and subconscious worldviews, or harmful conscious and subconscious worldviews. And it said this, for example, do you consciously or subconsciously embrace scientism, technicism, hedonism, individualism, consumerism, blameism, or conformism? Now you notice two words are made up there. Yeah. <laughs> blameism <laughs> is not a word. <laughs> conformism is not a word. So this thing of worldview, I understand the intent of it. But in practice, it is all over the place. It is highly subjective. It's often foolish. And I believe it kind of comes down to two things. One is narratives. A narrative, mm -hmm. you know, is a story that based on some agenda. And then a straw man. Yeah. And a straw man is a term meaning an argument, an argument to argue against. And so I'm disappointed, Andrew, with what I've seen on this topic of Christian worldview. Well, and and the thing that I noticed when I was reading those things, which Grant, I come from a Southern Baptist background, so that may hit a little bit harder, is that the only questions they're asking are based in ecclesiology, or, not, or sorry, eschatology. 100% it's eschatology of where we came from and why we're here leading into what's wrong with the world and so now we fix it. It's very much of a past and future focused and nothing about the world we actually are living in right now. I agree. I do think they presume 
to have answers for the world we live in now. Based and that's on where, and, and that's where, you know, mm-hmm. we'll we'll actually define worldview in a minute because I want to actually, while we're on this, this is something that you then immediately in the article highlight is that the the answer that the university is trying to put out there is that a Christian worldview answers things this way. But what you pointed out is that historically, the actual worldview of the white American church is not a Christian worldview. It's a white supremacy worldview. And it's largely due to the fact that it is based in an eschatological viewpoint of the world and not a who who is our neighbor type of mindset. Good point. And that is what, as you pointed out, leads to the anti-justice movement now. And it leads to the culture wars on just about everything, <laughs> which it seems like, like you said, they made up their own terms in there. And that's why is because there's a new culture war every week. Yes. So that is what you have found. What do you suggest is a better alternative to actually understanding worldview in terms of how should we actually define what it is we're talking about when we talk about what a worldview is? Great question. My answer is, as a Christ follower, I hold to what James wrote, be a doer of the word. That we as Christians, Christ followers, should be beholden to Christ, to the scriptures, doing things the way we understand that Christ would have us to do it. I believe when we delve off into trying to frame up our mission in a worldview, you're taking a term that's not even consistent, not even the same. For example, in the 15th and 16th centuries, the Christian worldview normalized slavery. Mm-hmm. The worldview was those Africans, they're subhuman, enslave them um, and bring them to Christ some kind of way. Well, in 18th and 19th centuries, um, then they continued to affirm slavery. Of course, in America, the Southern Baptist Church was formed we know, um, to support slave owners. Now, they since renounced that view. Um, But that was the fact. And then now in 21st centuries, in 20th century, we find the worldview of the church opposed to social activism, opposed to engaging the larger society, opposed to using uh, as citizens politics to change public policy. And so worldviews, man, it changes all the time. Whereas the word of God and Christ are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when people talk about, when believers talk about worldview, I'm I'm dismayed because what you should do is find in the scripture and in the heart of Christ mm-hmm. what he wants you to do. Focus on it as a church. We have clear commands in Scripture, what our mission and purpose is. Now, as citizens, we do social action. I don't believe the church necessarily does social action as a church. I believe we as individual Christ followers, as citizens, do that work. So as much as I believe in the movements of the past, when Dr. King did notice, Dr. King did not use the church to get those works done. They organized as citizens and Christ followers they met at churches. Dr. King, on Sunday morning, preached the gospel. 
<laughs> to his congregation. He was a pastor. So somehow we began thinking that the church has to become this and become that. Well, I don't think so. I think we as citizens in Christ followers need to become whatever we can become to change society. So worldview has become this mantra of the church. I believe it has caused many to lose focus on Christ, lose focus on the word of God, and then begin to stray in areas in which they have no expertise. That's part of my concern. And that that is where a lot of the... I would say in the I, I giving them the benefit of the the doubt, the some of the actual good faith accusations that get thrown at misfits, especially. But I'm sure that you've dealt with it as well. I know Pastor Bowman has dealt with it because I've seen it happen to him. Um, you know, if you go back and listen to a couple weeks ago with um, Pastor Trey, he and I talked about the different accusations that we both get thrown at us all the time. The some of the good intentions ones are they actually think that they're trying to help and they actually think that they see a problem Mm -hmm. is because of exactly what you just talked about of where we have blurred the lines of the call of the church and the call of a believer. Yes. And that is what we want to kind of break down as we go through the rest of this, as we answer these questions from ecclesiology to missiology to just worldview in general. The, the big thing within worldview, the first thing we got to look at, though, is the better way to actually talk about it. Because the, the phrase, like, I prefer your verse <laughs> that you chose to <laughs> define this out of James. But the one that normally comes up is be in the world, not of the world, as the way to talk about worldview. Mm-hmm. I have my own opinion on the way to address this, but I wanna, I'm curious to hear your your thoughts on how do we actually explain what this actually looks like to be in the world and not of the world in a, you know, the, the word we use all the time. And I know you do as well in other things. So I know you know what it means of of a Christocentric way of looking at what it means to be in the world and not of the world, as opposed to a culture warring perspective. Okay. Well, Romans 12, we, we read Paul wrote, be transformed. Well, don't be conformed to the world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove it's a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Well, at in that text, if you think about it, the focus is not as much not being conformed to the world as it is being transformed. It's interesting how sometime in the service of a point of view, like worldview, we'll take an entire scripture and twist it around to mm-hmm. define worldview when actually it's defining how we're transformed. (laughs) So whatever in the world, Paul's day, our day in the future, the world changes. The world system, you know, is always changing. People today in our country are experiencing, in our world, experiencing different, different conditions in the world. Whatever the condition, we are still emboldened by the Lord to renew our minds, be conformed, you know, to Christ. Um, so this is, this is how we can really get around being trapped in that worldview argument where what's your worldview? Be a doer of the word, you know, take care of people, love people, because 
when you go down that road of what is a worldview, like I said, 16th century, slavery was normalized. 18th century, the church literally was, a whole denomination was formed to support slavery. And now we're into the church supporting um, ungodly people in politics when they used to avoid politics. So then worldviews are just not the way to think about how we should serve God and be the church today. Um, yeah, so it's hard to answer that question because it's not, you know, it's one of those things, it's a moving target, right? So Which is exactly here, why you're here forward. is because I haven't <laughs> been able to figure out how to articulate any of this. But, you know, and, and that's a, Romans 12 is the first place I normally go for this discussion as well. But I typically focus in on the, the aspect, a different part of the verse, okay. but with the same results. Because the instead of the conform or transform, what I always tend to focus on is what does it actually mean to have a renewed mind? Mm -hmm. And what it says there in the text is that a renewed mind comes from the spirit, not ourselves, not anything. Mm -hmm. no, it doesn't matter what school we go to. It doesn't matter what shows we're watching. None of that matters. The spirit is one doing it. And it is a renewed mind that leads us into the will of Christ. There it is. And if that's what our mind is being renewed towards, and we have the will of Christ, then of course our worldview is going to be one that is Christocentric because it's not about us anymore. Well, that's one way of thinking about it. However, I don't know if, if I would go that direction. I would not say that the more I the more I'm conformed to Christ my worldview gets better or cleaner. I would avoid the worldview argument altogether and just say, right. be a better believer, be a better follower of Christ, be a better. And that's the second. Better. And that's mm -hmm. the second verse that I normally attach to this is yeah. Philippians chapter two, because what we see in Philippians two is the call to consider others interests and consider others better than our own. Yes. And if that is what we are doing, then we're not going to be out there warring against other worldviews because it's not about the worldview. It's about the Imago Dei in front of me. Yes. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving my neighbor as myself, meaning that I do exactly what Paul then goes into in Philippians 2 as far as that we are not only having a renewed mind and a focus towards the will of Christ, but now we are doing exactly what he did and not considering ourselves high and instead humbling ourselves, taking the form of a servant. There it is. Be a better believer. Be a better person. Just be a better believer. <laughs> be a and, better person. <laughs> and, 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 it, and again, like you said, the love of your neighbor part is attached to all of that because of the fact that if we are doing that and we are focused, we are Christocentric with a renewed mind towards the will of Christ, we are going to be doing that because we love God. Yes. And if we love God, we will love our neighbor. Yes. That's part of why the worldview conversation gets so, like you said, I, I don't remember the exact word you, you used, muddied, twisted, whatever it was, mm -hmm. is because of the fact that just like everything that we tend to talk about within Christianity today, the words have become political talking points more than they actually are the philosophical talking points that they have been throughout history. Yes. Andrew, and, it's almost like that believers are so mad at the world, they got to find some way to respond. And um, 
when the response needs to be love, love your neighbor as yourself, preach the gospel, take care of people, because this matter of worldview, again, is highly subjective. There's no one definition. My grandfather preached a sermon. He's my mentor. And um, when, when Christians go into areas in which they have no expertise and not, it's not really biblical. My grandfather said his sermon title was you got what you wanted, but lost what you had. Mm. <laughs> That's a profound statement. It really is. Mm-hmm. When we are, when we abandon what we know is central and core and we know is reliable and doesn't change and go over into something like worldviews that is, there's no clear definition of just for the purpose of engaging people, as you suggested, in, a, in almost a supremacist manner. We're better than you and you need what we have and. And your worldview is, you know, is is uh, is wrong, and our minds is right. That is not a winning strategy. Mm-mm. It is not. It is it's just you know, it's a strategy to to argue or to put to put oneself in the position of feeling superior or feeling that you need what I have, and and that's not very attractive, especially when people who listen to us are smarter than us on certain topics. (laughs) They know the things that we're, that we're saying aren't even factual. Mm -hmm. They know the history of the church, that the church organization, not, not the church with Christ, you know, I mean, but the organization uh, supported things like slavery and, and so forth. And so it's, it's never a good strategy. To, to build on any foundation that's not Christ, that's mm-hmm. not the word of God. And these terms lead us away from those objectives, in my view. And the, you know, the thing, the ironic thing with what you said there is that, you know, the we, in this case, we do actually have what they need. The problem is, though, that when we go in with the mindset of we, I have what you need, so you need to conform to me. They don't, they're not interested anymore. Well, I'll say this. It depends on what their need is, right? If it's a salvation, we have what they, what they need. If it's mental health, maybe so, maybe not. You know, if it's financial literacy, if it is um, helping youth um, stop the violence. I mean, so many issues that are really touching people's lives. We don't have it. And to show up and say, well, I got Jesus. As if that's the whole answer is not accurate, you know. (laughs) And 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 this is something I was looking at the other day is that Jesus never even claims that he is the answer to all of it. Mm -hmm. He claims that he will provide you with the answer to all of it. Yes. And that he is capable of handling all of it, but he doesn't say that he is going to be the direct line for all of it. Well, Scripture says Christ has made unto us wisdom, mm-hmm. for example, and wisdom is a whole set of of understandings and insights, part of which we gain from the Holy Spirit, from the Scripture, and from school and from mentors, and and so there's a lot that again, when we're better Christians, when we're better people, better, then we begin to access the other tools we need to help people. That's why I've said to you in a previous podcast, showing up with a Bible by itself is not a competency. Mm-hmm. 
The competency is, are you trained in mental health? Are you trained with working with young people? Are you trained in financial literacy? Any number of issues. So the competency needs to come. And that's why, for example, my doctor, I saw my doctor today. I don't know if she's a believer or not. Um, my other doctor is, but both my doctors are in the world and of the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In terms of their expertise. And we we like to make phrases, I'm in the world, not of the world. We what are you talking about? You know, I need my doctor to be of the my Christian doctor, please be of the world. <laughs> be fully versed. <laughs> we just say things to make ourselves feel better and superior, right. it seems to me. And and that leads us into the missiology. We we've kind of jumped around it because we were still wanting to make sure we nailed down the worldview part of it. But we're right. into the missiology conversation already of what is the actual mission for us as believers individually. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, because part of what you have already sort of talked about is the fact is, and this this is what started the conversation in response to the mental health episode that. Um, Joel Bowman and I did is the whole idea of Christian as an adjective that it, and I'm trying to remember exactly how you worded it. I'm not going to, so I'll just let you say it again if you can, but it was very much of a, that it oftentimes causes more harm than it actually does any good. Is that close, or am I thinking of somebody yeah, else? It's close enough. It is because, again, Christ, His Word, endure forever, never change. We 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 know the answers and the help that Christ has given us in our hearts. He's empowered us to learn, to gain expertise and skills we can use to you know bless our families and the whole world. So yeah, we 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 know what God can do, but nor do we confuse the need for other means by which God enables us and empowers us. So then I guess the question then is that how are we, go how should we as believers actually, when we call ourselves, which I know this is another hot topic because of, again, what we talked about before worldview and culture wars and everything else. Mm -hmm. But the word Christian for those that don't know because I guess there are actually I I found I found this very strange actually but I, I shouldn't have found it as strange as I did that many people don't actually understand where the word Christian actually comes from because they assume that that is what Christ followers just always have been called but that's not the case uh I don't have the verse in front of me. it's I think it's like acts is it like acts 10 acts 11. Um, the word Christian was initially put on the believers as an insult, calling them right. little Christ, largely because of the fact that they were actually doing what, what we've talked about already in this episode, as far as they were living humbly, they were sacrificing themselves. They were giving of themselves the same way that Christ did. And in the eyes of the people, it's what got him killed. Yes, And so it was used as a derogatory term that the Christians then took and said, no, actually, this is our goal, is we are supposed to be little Christs. The initial title that was given to what they were doing within Jerusalem was they were called followers of the way. 
Yes. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So Christian, the name, has a very mixed history dating pretty close back to the start of the church, but it's not even from the start of the church. It wasn't the initial name. Now, though, that word carries a bunch of different baggage with it to the point that some want to divorce that name completely because of what it's associated with. And so you you already kind of answered the idea of when we use it as an adjective, what, you know, should we even be doing that? But what what do you see as how how should we actually use the title Christian when we're talking about ourselves or our faith or you know whatever it is that we're in conversation about when people are talking about Christian things? Is it even something that we should be looking at as a title? I've moved away from it, Andrew. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm not denying that, <laughs> but. My background was sinner. <laughs> okay. I didn't come to Christ at 21 years of age. And so, um, but in fact, I call myself a Christian because I went to church sometimes. I, um, my, my, uh, my grandfather was a pastor, you know, my, my daddy was a deacon, you know, so, so I, I was a Christian before I got saved. Now we know that's not accurate. But in my mind, I was a Christian. And so many people are Christians when they have no fruit of Christ in their lives. To me, it is not a useful term. I don't run from it. I just don't use it. I use Christ follower because I want to keep the focus on the function, not the title, but the function following Christ. Now, if they ruin Christ follower, I'll find something else to use. <laughs> but it was hard to mess that one up, you know what I'm saying? Well, so to that, your point, that... yeah, I don't run from it, but it's not the best way to define who we are. And that really is where, you know, the third question I had for you, which is the one that I kind of more lean towards, is the difference between it being a title or an adjective and it being a lifestyle, which really is what you already defined as worldview back with, with James um, when we, when we were defining worldview to begin with, as far as not just hearers of the word, but doers. Right. Do you yeah. see though, that it is, that it is actually something where you would say Christianity is a lifestyle or is it another thing where it's still not necessarily helpful to talk about a Christian lifestyle anymore because of the way that it has been used and hijacked and politicized and culture ward and everything else. Is it still something where us as believers should be talking about, well, we, I live this Christian lifestyle. Is that even something that is necessarily a goal or a, a worthwhile phrase to be using. Well, for those of us who understand, of course, of course, the goal is to live a Christian lifestyle, but we're called to reach the world. We're called to make a difference, you know, through Christ's witness. And uh, if you go out to a group of people and say, hey, I'm a Christian, that won't, that won't endear you to people necessarily mm -hmm. because of what Christian means. And if you know history, like we know history, then it was Christians who enslaved people. Now I keep using that phrase, 
that's a test phrase for me. For example, I was looking at Calvinism, which, you know, Calvin is some good work, but one of his downfalls was the belief that, you know, Africans mm -hmm. should have been enslaved, you know, to bring them to America to introduce them to Christ. Or this idea that there's the elect and there's those who are not elect. And of course, those Africans couldn't be elect. So a lot of times the, the Christian things have tended to a lot of pain and hurt and harm. But, yeah, but so much good's been done too, right? So I don't want to I don't want to dismiss the term Christian out of hand. Can't do it. We're Christians. But in terms of our witness to the world, I really believe that identifying as a Christ follower keeps the focus where it needs to be on Jesus Christ. Because people respect Jesus and tend to respect him and what he did. And they tend to not respect Christians. I heard a phrase years ago, I'm not sure who it came from, but someone asked a question and said, uh, what's the best thing about Christianity? Somebody said, oh, Jesus. What's the worst thing? Christians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's somewhat true. But again, I don't run from it, but I use it sparingly because I really believe there's a problem with the perception and the reality of Christianity as we have seen it practiced. And, and that's where, before we actually move on to the bigger picture with the church, the, the other question we have is what actually is our mission as believers individually? And and the reason I kind of say, even though I, if, if you're watching and Dr. Hudson Lee looks puzzled is because I just skipped over something on our outline and now I'm coming back to it and didn't that's warn okay, him. That's okay. I'm good. I've got um, it. <laughs> I'm good. Um, you know, while while we're you know while we're talking about is this idea of because what you said from an international standpoint is one hundred percent something that I have heard and seen from reports is that the name of Jesus carries weight. People respect that name, whether they believe all of it or not. People know what that name rep is supposed supposed to represent. Yes. But what I'm finding here domestically is that the name of Jesus no longer carries any weight because the Jesus that is associated or the, the, the picture of Jesus that is associated is white, blue eye, blonde hair, wearing a red hat saying, make America great again. Well, I think that may not be altogether true. Uh, of course, it's true. It's true in some places, but people tend to know that Jesus Christ wasn't white. Uh, only people who don't believe he wasn't white, you know, but, you know, who was white was white people. You know, <laughs> no black well, people believe Jesus Christ was right. white. Well, and, and yeah. part of what I'm saying, though, is that it's not necessarily that they even believe that that actually is who the historic Jesus was. Right. But that is what they're associating the idea of a Christ follower that is the Christ that they are following. I get that. But that is people have their opinions and points of view. And I get that. But for every person who thinks that there are others who know that there are Christ followers who have helped them, mm -hmm. who've been there for them, who've prayed for them, you know, who've serviced them in many different ways. And so I would not let the negative perception ever change my point of view or my understanding that People do tend to understand that there is a genuine expression of Christ through people you know, who follow him. 
And, you know, we're in a world, Andrew, where, for example, the term woke, you know, yeah. woke used to mean aware. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of this. I'm aware of that. And then became wokeism, right? And I saw a conference a couple of years ago in anti, then Ron DeSantis got a whole anti woke law. Well, mm -hmm. the fact that they've ruined the term woke hasn't changed the correct understanding for me and many other people. Now, I might not use it like I used to because I'm aware of people's ignorance uh, and disdain for it. The same for Christ. But I'm not going to ever stop saying what I believe is helpful and true because some people don't understand it. That's the that, friction. That's persecution. We we face that. Right. We can't avoid that. And and that was actually where I was going with it was to actually ask the question that what is the correct understanding of what our mission actually is? Oh, that's because, easy. Like you said, mm -hmm. people people that actually when people actually see the real Jesus being lived out. Yes. They recognize it. Yes, and they do. most of the time they respond either positively or extremely negative. Yes, and one of the things that you know we've we've talked about this multiple times over the past few weeks. One of the things that believers, especially domestically believers, have to understand is that we need to be just as thankful for the negative responses as we are the positive. Yes, and not be warring against getting negative responses or not trying to get negative responses, which is the way that we've been going culturally. But right. what does the actual mission individually for us actually look like? Well, that goes to whether or not we believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He's holy God, holy man. If we believe the scriptures are inerrant in all this, because, you know, the answer is right there. Um, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the Great Commission. We all know this. Matthew's gospel, other gospels. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. Teach them to teach them to learn of me and follow me. That is the purpose of the church, according to Jesus. And of course, in Paul in Ephesians 4, uh, talks about functionally how that we all are called to do works of service so the body of Christ can be built up. That we can all, as Ephesians 4.13 says, reach unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, become a mature uh, person, a mature believer, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And simple scriptures like that clearly define the purpose of the church. Now, whether or not we've, we've read it <laughs> or believe it is a different story, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's it's right there. That's why, again, it's why when people, you know, get diverted by worldview and so forth, we stop looking at scripture. And as much as I am socially active and, and written books on social justice, I believe the word of God. I'm, I follow Christ. I'm a doer of the word. And, and so I answer questions based on what the scripture teaches, what Christ has shown me, what his love teaches me. And it keeps me in my lane, you know, as a Christ follower. And then as being a, uh, becoming a better Christian, a better person, a better believer, then I can go and work in the community, not to preach to people, but use my expertise and hopefully my higher level of character and, and quality as a person to make a difference without preaching. Because people, if you love people and serve people, they'll figure out you're doing it from a place that they don't understand. 
And you eventually get to tell them, oh, it's Jesus Christ motivating me to do these things for you. So there's no need for us to frame worldviews. Be a better person. Be a better believer. <laughs> get and the that, expertise you need. And, and the, distin mm -hmm. the distinction you're making, and this is the one that I've tried my best to articulate, and apparently it just falls, either it falls just on deaf ears, or it just never comes out right. Is, is this a, of you started with the call of the church. Because every believer is called to that. Yes. But it doesn't stop there. It continues on into what we do as individuals. And That's that is where yes. we, that seems to be where a lot of these conversations start to divert and people lose sight of what actually it is that we are called to as Christians. Right. Is that in the world of the world is really just the idea of the fact that we are both the church, the body, and we are individuals. Yes. And the individuals are out and we are in the community and we are using the things that we have learned in the world to do what we talked about as far as what the renewed mind in Philippians 2 talks about as far as we are out here to put others first and to take to consider their interests and to mm -hmm. seek their betterment. Yes. That's the it. other things that come with it come later is the call of a church as a whole. And that's where we're moving towards as far as what the goal of the church is. And I'll, I'll see if you agree with all the above or have more. This is what I typically lay out for what the goal of the church actually is. Mm -hmm. Love God, love neighbor, which we already said is the Christian lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Worship, both corporately and teaching us how to do it privately. Evangelism is the job of the church. Which people are going to say, well, you always say it's not the job of the pastor to evangelize. It's the job of the people within the church, which is exactly what we are saying, is that if you are a part of the church, your call is to go out and evangelize. If the, the, the goal of the church is repentance, and when I say that, I'm saying that it's the church's goal is to repent, not to mm -hmm. seek out others' repentance. Right. The goal of the church is to be constantly repenting. I mean, that, this is one of the things that we see out of Daniel, especially. Daniel is considered to be a great prophet, and he's one of the only ones that stays pure in exile, at least from the story and everything like that. But yet he spends his night repenting so much that he makes himself ill. Mm -hmm. Discipleship is the goal of the church. I mean, that's what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. Those things are what we do as a corporate body. And as a representation of the fact that we are the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. What we do as individual believers... We are representing both the church and Christ that the church represents. It's a very small distinction, but I think it makes a huge difference in the way that we actually have these worldview discussions. Because like you said, your definition for a worldview is being doers of the word. Well, where are we getting that word from? 
-hmm. We're getting it from our corporate gatherings together. We're getting it from right. the testimony of other believers that have come our way, private, way before. Our private study as well, our private personal study. Right. I, I'm saying God. I'm saying mm -hmm. the testimony of believers like Paul. Yes. Yes. In mm -hmm. our in our private readings, the testimonies of other uh, of those that came even before Paul, but that saw the that saw Jesus at the finish line, even if they didn't know what his name was with Moses and the prophets. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. That is how we are able to grow and renew our mind and seek the will of Christ. And we do that as an individual, but it's for the betterment of the body. Because again, we're back to Philippians 2, where it's not about us, it's about the interests of others, and that includes the other believers around us as well. Yes. Would you add anything to what the goal of the church actually is that I didn't have on no, my list? No, I would not. Uh, I would even kind of differ with you on one thing you said. You said we should re be repenting all the time. I haven't seen the scripture for that. And, you know, like you cited Daniel, but Daniel was not part of the, he was ecclesia in his time. I know that. So I'm saying when we have discussions about what we should do, my, my view is to keep things confined to the scripture in context, you know. So I don't know that repenting all the time is what we should be doing. Uh, I'll, I'll if, reword if I, it. Is that what, what I'm yeah. more referring to, and, and it's part of mm -hmm. what you and I, we had this discussion the last time you were on, right? of recognizing where we as a human body yes. have failed. Right. And, and repenting so that we can be renewed as a body. But also the idea of the fact that we are supposed to confess to each other. Yes. We are supposed Absolutely. to be holding each other up. When we need to, yes. Yeah, right. that that's more of what I'm I'm referring to as a we should be in a we should be willing to be in a repentant state. Always, yeah. As a if body to. of believers, for example, I was in a meeting one time when the preacher said, "All y'all need to get on the altar and repent." I'm not going <laughs> down there. <laughs> I mean, yesterday I needed to, but not today. Okay. So I don't want to assume that everybody needs what I think they need. Uh, people say things like things like the whole the church is all messed up. Well, my mentor said the church you see is messed up. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but there are people who are faithful to God. Not perfect. Nobody is. So I'm saying to me, it's easier to stay with the scripture as it defines what the church, what the church is. Now, where I'm concerned, wow. When I have, when I make mistakes and I mess up, then I need to repent before God. Uh, but as far as collectively repenting, I understand the context for that, but I'm concerned about that. I got I know people who think everything is collective. You know, uh, that black people need to do this. You know, all black people, really? You know, <laughs> white folks do that. I don't think so. So, so the church is about making disciples, building one another up, uh, preaching the gospel, and we do do we do evangelism, which may include, of course, you know, feeding people, things that Jesus did. I don't think it's a long list of things that we're called to do. I think it's a short list. The long list, I believe, goes to what our individual skill sets and expertise where it takes us. For example, I published books and I did media camps for young people. There's no scripture about doing media camp. 
but the scripture, you know, enjoins me to love my neighbor as myself. I have all these skills that God let me have. And so what can I do to use those skills to help some youth in the community gain some expertise? The church didn't do that. Now, the church, my church supported me. But on Sunday morning, we didn't preach about media camps. <laughs> we, we preached the word of God. So it's interesting to me that it's kind of easy to, 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 to bring the church into every single discussion when I believe we're often talking about what is my responsibility as a Christ follower, as a person, as a man, a husband, a father. We have many roles. And, and so that's why, again, going back to the worldview discussion, when we try to say, what is the worldview? What's your worldview? I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, there's a lot in my mind, a lot in my heart. And, and so and then we won't agree on on worldview because we all have specific gifts, specific focus. We are all wired a different way. We have different cultures. And so we need to, I believe, disconnect ourselves from terms that actually limit us mm-hmm. and let the church be the church. Let let God be God. Let Jesus do what he does best. And let's not try to muddy you know, the church and weigh the church down with things that really don't help us serve people. And that's what I think the, and I don't know if you would agree, agree with this or not, that a lot of the times in these discussions, what I typically have found is that what what is causing the you know controversy, for lack of a better word, is that a lot of the times we have flip flopped the mission of the believer as an individual mm-hmm. and the mission of the collective body. Yes. And like you said, the the list for the 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 church, it's extensive in that it is a universal command, and that it is something that has that we carry out until Christ returns. Yes, but it is it's not that long in terms of what we're actually supposed to do. Right. But the call of us as believers, that list gets a little bit longer, but it gets longer in a way that is not. That if we are looking at things through a renewed mind, mm-hmm. it's not a list that is going to weigh us down. It's a list that is going to free us. It's going Absolutely. to make us, it's going to rejuvenate us. It's going yes. to actually give us motivation and a desire to see other people, other people put in positions that sometimes makes us look like we are nothing. Yeah. That is where. I think the the biggest part of a lot of why I have so much trouble articulating this to people is is that we have flip-flopped the role of the church and the role of the individual. And it's been flip-flopped for so long that it's very hard for people to recognize that all we got to do is just put things back in the right right order yes. again. Which is of course he's just said you know, harder to say it than harder to do than say it, right? Two right. things. Paul said that we are the body of Christ and members in particular. And he listed, you know, examples of the eye, the hand, and so forth. And and then of course we know that um 
Peter uh, James talked about that if it says, if you have received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of God's manifold grace. And so we know that we have different gifts, right? Romans, again, Paul brings that out often. And so the beauty of it is where this one church with a with a with a singular purpose, maybe you know, two or three main things, but as individuals who become better people and better Christ followers and who know our gifts, we then take those gifts to the marketplace, those abilities into the world. We touch people's lives. And and so then we bring them, we bring them to the church, you know, to receive Christ and, and be discipled to develop their gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a collective, but but really the individual part is, is is bigger because there's more of us, right? So Jesus, we know, um, is head and body, head and body. We're the body of Christ, and so we we have these functions and abilities and gifts. That's why it's so beautiful to see uh, people work together. For example, you know, there's churches in town. We've done this in the past. Too. We have these white congregation, black congregation, get together and have fellowship and all that. That's great. You know, it's a good thing because we are the church. But then when it comes down to now, we're going to leave this place and do what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do what? Um, and so, but not all of us are called to to go down to the courthouse and, and, and meet with people and say, you shouldn't do this. Because we don't go as a church. We go as individuals with the heart of Christ and with the mandate as citizens to do well as citizens. And so that's why you try to get the church involved with racial uh, racial stuff. It's not everybody's cup of tea, you know, <laughs> not to mention no expertise. Right. So leave the things. Say this way. I'm very content. I can sing, but you wouldn't invite me up on the stage to sing. Okay, you, <laughs> you you've got a microphone in front of you, man. <laughs> if I started singing, you'd lose your whole audience. Okay, because I can't sing well. The question is not can we do it? Can we do it well? And that's where we have to look at what our expertise, our gifting, God's calling, God's grace, because in the church are all these parts of the body that can function if we don't insist that people do things the way that we do things. Exactly. That's that's hard to get people to understand that, for example, my back has never seen my chest, but it's in the same body. So being together doesn't mean we're not together. It means our assignments are different. And we try to manufacture togetherness and unity with these events and such. Is I get the intent of it, but practically, we don't need to do that. And, and I think the, the, be a better Christ follower, be a better person. The the key word you used there was manufacture, mm-hmm. because it because again the manufacturing of it is it's it implies that this is something that is forced and that is not necessarily. It's not natural, but it's also not even in spiritual terms a supernatural type of thing either. No. Because if we're talking unity, I mean, Jesus says it straight up in his prayer. Unity is going to come from the Father granting it. 
the spirit doing it and it's all going to be centered around his name yes anything else that is designed to manufacture unity is not going to produce a christocentric unity Mm -hmm. well said but part of what you also have hit on is that even if it's not necessarily that church's call to be going and marching at the courthouse we do also see though that the church should be able to unite around the fact that everybody is made in the image of God. There it is. And that again is where we have to remember where, where, what it actually means to be a Christian, because that's the term that we use Mm -hmm. is that it is about a mind that is focused on Christ and what Christ has for us, which means that it's not about us. It's about him and then the people that he's called us to serve. And that we then are going to go do what the spirit and the word has told us to do. And the thing that I think I, I don't know if anybody else caught Maybe there, it, we may have said it once or twice, but not in the term, the way that it's normally used is that nowhere in either the mission for believers or the mission of the church, did either one of us ever actually use the phrase change the culture? Mm -hmm. That is something that I think is, I don't know if it's the primary goal of necessarily an intentional primary goal. Mm Mm-hmm. But that is the goal of what many are advertising as what yeah. they believe the goal of the church is supposed to be. No, that's yeah, that's 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 nonsense. Um, in practice, when they say that, what they're doing is they're circling the wagons mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep the natives out. <laughs> it's a war of cultures. So it's a worldview war. It's people say things they have no idea how it works what the Mm -hmm. outcome actually is. But changing culture is just a way to protect your own culture. Yeah. Like Christian schools were formed in the seventies to resegregate. When they say it's about, you know, raising up a generation of Christ and all that. No, what it's about, it it gets your white kids away from black people in these public schools because the public schools, you know, then included black people on purpose. They desegregated. Mm-hmm. So then you couldn't have segregated public schools. So there are things that people don't understand history of. and the, But then today they want to make statements and do things, not even knowing the basis, the historical basis of these statements. Yeah, And the, the irony of all of it is that if they actually wanted to see a change in the culture that is Christian in the, the good way that we need it to be used as. Mm-hmm. The way to actually see that happen, we know how that happens and how that works, and that is not in the manner that is being presented, but the exact opposite. Right. Because, again, we are flipping the role of the church and the role of the individual. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear a story of how a missiology of us as individual believers changes the culture by doing what we've been talking about. Go back to, I believe it's like maybe episode 11 or 12 with the Mm -hmm. McDowell family, where we hear the story of Dwight McDowell, who 
as a baby Christian, just by being a coach for his community, right? saw it go from being gain written and, and guns drawn every night to the community coming together and building park with parks with lights in it so that the kids could play after dark. Right. That is how we change the culture is by being who God has called us to be in the world. Not by trying to force our churches to take that mantle on themselves. Well, I'll push back a bit on that, Andrew, this way. Uh, when people want to change the culture, let's go deeper. Tell me exactly what about one's culture you want to change. Right, right. Exactly what we're talking about because the intention the culture, of what it is, as, yeah. As if something is wrong with the culture, as if that some kids having guns reflects their whole culture. You know, it's not true. Um, I grew up in inner city. Um, I grew up, you know, in a place where there's a lot of problems and a lot of good. But people only see the problems, you know, and they say inner city like like it's something inherently wrong with it. You're right. When when every good thing is in the city, every mm -hmm. good and bad thing is in the city. <laughs> the best museums, the worst, the worst schools, I mean, everything, the best schools. But then when we say culture, it's as if we decided what somebody needs before we've met them and spent time with them, understood who they are. That's a, that's a, that's a major problem I, I find today with, with um, believers going in, going to change the culture. What are you talking about? What about the culture needs changing? Mm -hmm. How about your culture? I mean, so culture is a word like worldview that is, in my mind, totally subjective. It's in the eye of the beholder. It's, it's, it's uh, for example, you know, we as black people, we never talk about culture. <laughs> we never talk about racial unity ever. Because in our world, that's not our concern. You know, it's interesting that we hear it and wonder, what are you talking about? Why would somebody on the outside, so to speak, speak to people? They have no idea who they are, how they live, what their background is, what the history is. And then say, so we got to change the culture. And that's that's one of those words, when I see it, I'm like, oh, here we go. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> culture, worldview, okay, you know. And so you won't find many black people around when when discussion goes to culture and worldview. You're like, okay, uh, I'm out. Because there's nothing, it's a nothing burger. It's just nothing of substance there. It is, in, a, in, in my mind, another way to create a narrative, to give us a reason to exist, when really the reason for existence, love your neighbor as yourself, preach the gospel, be a better person, be a better uh, Christ follower, and most of all, most of all, get to know people. Now, my background, I shared it with you, in addition to theology, I've studied education, my, my bachelor's degree is in media arts and science. And my master's degree is actually in instructional systems technology. And one of the most important aspects of designing curriculum and instruction 
is to first understand what is the need. We want to do something called user-centered design. Mm -hmm. You can't do that without, without knowing what the real felt needs of people are. It's almost like Andrew. We have we have <laughs> we have solutions in search of a problem, right? Rather right. than stopping to say, "Let me understand who I'm working with, who what their needs are," and, and that's what I think. There's, you know, and, and this, uh, um, you know, Pastor Trey and I talked about even within the atonement theory stuff and everything else is that we. This is part of the issue we have, and you and well, no, you addressed it in your article as well. This is mm -hmm. part of the the problem we have when with the anti justice rhetoric, right, and everything within the church is that we we have tried to take away a problem in our world that the gospel addresses, mm -hmm. and because we've taken that away, now we we don't know where to put the gospel, so we have to go find some other thing mm -hmm. to be able to insert the gospel into to fix. Yeah. And in doing that, mm -hmm. we end up creating more trauma mm -hmm. and more people that don't want anything to do with the Jesus that you are presenting them because it's not actually the Jesus of the gospel. Right. It's the Jesus of whatever war you're trying to wage. And I, I love the way you said it here was you, you were talking about the idea of they're manufacturing a narrative and trying to come up with another way of trying to define why we're here. Mm -hmm. It's the exact thing you identified as what they were claiming a worldview is. Is that it's trying to find an answer to why we are here. But the only way to do it, especially for us as believers who know why we're here, we just mm -hmm. went over all of that with the missiology stuff. Yes. If we don't want to do that, we have to manufacture some other way to go about doing it so we feel useful. Or, and, or, we are not being faithful to yeah. our call. We are Which is not what it is. disciples. Yeah. We're not loving neighbors as ourselves. We're not leaving. We're not going among people to love them, to serve them. Uh, we're almost like we're having debating societies, you know, rather than really getting into the work, getting it's into helping people. It's the Celtic versus Roman models of evangelism. We're back to it again. Yes. Because what you were describing, which again is also what we were saying was the role of the believer as far as going out in the community and meeting people and hearing what their needs are. Yes. Of, you know, within the five, the five B's is, you know, the, the phrases we use of the first B is belonging, not believe. Mm. The community, we need to know what the, that the community trusts us. And the and we need to be able to trust the community, and that starts by building relationships and listening to each other. There it is. And then going and meeting those needs that they have told you about rather than inserting your own needs into theirs. Yes. Versus the Roman model of we go in, we build the fort, and then force people to come in to get things that we know they're going to need mm -hmm. because we are causing them to have the need. There it is. It's good. This is good. why it's so important for us to actually have the conversation, even though both, you, if you haven't picked up on it, both of us are very annoyed that we are having to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. But we've been both wanting to have the conversation, me more so because I've been trying to figure out how to say this stuff and I need somebody way smarter to help me do it. 
Um, and also because of the fact that, again, we've been seeing this is something that is becoming more and more frequent and that we are, you know, uh, the, the phrase, I mean, there's no better way to say it than what you did of being unfaithful to our calls, both as individuals and as a church. Yes. And that is the results that we are seeing that we suddenly now want to try to culture war against. If we are faithful to our call, we probably aren't even one. We're not going to be worried about the culture wars. Mm -hmm. And two, we're not going to be finding culture, a new culture war every other day that we could have addressed 20, 30, 50, 400 years ago. Yes. So hopefully for those listening, my rambles, at least didn't distract you from the brilliance that was coming from the other side of the screen. Oh, no, that's not going to be, but hey, listen, brother, what you brought here is a platform. Yes. And as far as me being smarter, I'm not. I just come from a different part of life. You know what I'm saying? And that's why the beauty of these conversations is we get to hear from people whose experience is radically different than ours. Mm -hmm. uh, And yet, Relevant, not better, not worse, just different. And that's what we need more of. It really is. And not to assume anything about anybody else. We really don't know. I posted on Facebook some things, um, uh, a statement I made a couple weeks ago that said this. It said, when someone is talking to you about what they're going through, don't start telling them what you've been through. It's not the same. Just focus on a person talking to you. So my point to that is saying we really don't know what we don't know. And that's why the more we can listen and interact with people and hear their side of the story and their side of life, the better we become. Because I have often been wrong uh, making assumptions. In fact, the Bible, (laughs) David said, Psalm said, you know, Lord, deliver me from presumptuous sins, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) To presume. Well, I really don't know. And so that's why I've gained a lot from you, Andrew. So I appreciate the thing you say about me, but I've learned as much from you, brother, as you learn from me, if anything. That's why I appreciate you and the work you're doing, uh, because it is so important to, to go out there and as hard as it is, <laughs> it's a prophetic ministry. Right. And prophets have always gotten in trouble, you know, <laughs> deep trouble. But but somebody is called to do it. And so I thank God for you. And I'm, I'm of the same mindset as you uh, to have these discussions. Let people say what they want to say. I can handle it. I'm a big boy. But <laughs> we have to say what needs to be said from our own perspective and then stop and listen. What others have to say. And then from there, we're going to stay in love and, and work together if we can. And, and you know, to, to bring full circle, this is why. It's important for us as believers to understand the idea of worldview from the perspective of what scripture actually says, as far as the fact that if we actually believe what scripture says about the body of believers mm-hmm. and that we are united by the same spirit and all of us are actually being renewed, that we will be able to have unity that's real, even in the midst of disagreements. Yes. And that we all will be able to do that because of the fact that the, the interests of Dr. Hudson are more important than the in- interests of me. Mm-hmm. 
because that is what we are called to as believers. So, yeah, speaking is. of, what do you got going on at the moment? I know we're, we're we've got to update your for those that have looked at the new website. Uh, Dr. Hudson's guest portal is going to be under construction as I figure out what happened because apparently I put him in the wrong, gave him the wrong podcast. So, uh, MrMisfits.com, if you go to the guest portal, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can find all of our guests that we've had on since episode one. And you Mm -hmm. can find out, if you click on them, you'll get links and everything that they have. But Dr. Hudson's is wrong at the moment. So, Dr. Hudson, your website brianhudson.com that's where we can find your writings that's where we can get links to all the stuff you're doing we can find your book the podcast yep i've got over 1400 articles or blog posts since 2005 okay i was about to say 2005 that that's that makes me feel a little bit better as i'm sitting (laughs) around like 10 um but you said 450 for no 1400 posts Math is and, not my strong suit. Again, we're yeah. going back to why some people, everybody has different giftings. Math is not mine. But yeah, you. I'm trying. I'm trying to think how many words that has to be, and that's. Well, now, these, my... these are mainly short articles. These are blog posts, not articles and books. Okay, I've only got ten books. Okay, but I've got only only books. got ten books. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And some are out of print now. All I'm saying is, you know, I'm just trying to be faithful to God and trying to, you know, express my heart. One man's point of view. My whole the book on on biblical justice. I say at the beginning, it's one man's point of view. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And I think that is sufficient for me as a Christ follower to share with you and others what my heart is. My mindset is I don't call it a worldview. I just say this is my point of view. You know, it's 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 presumptuous to say I have a worldview when here it is. I got a Jesus view. I got a Christ. Let me get spiritual. I have a Christ view. <laughs> I have a I have a Jesus Christ view because I I don't trust people trying to describe me <laughs> to me. <laughs> but thank you, Andrew, for the opportunity to be on with you. I so appreciate your work. And I, you know, I, I followed you now for a couple of years, three years now. I'm aware of some things you're doing with behind the scenes. I honor you for being faithful. You're all you've been through. You know, you and wife, you know, I, I appreciate you, brother. And you're truly displaying what I believe is, is a Christ likeness in that in your sufferings and difficulty, you're still seeking to serve God's purpose. And I appreciate that about you. Well, we appreciate you coming on and dealing with all of your your behind the scenes things and us actually mm-hmm. finally being able to sit down we were originally supposed to have one other guest on as we did this conversation but it's actually going to be more fun for me because now i get to see if i unravel the same nonsense out of my brain with joel in in a week or two that i got to do with you here tonight so again Eventually, hopefully, maybe by the time you're listening to this, Dr. Hudson's guest portal will be back up. You can find at least one of his books, the the one that he just mentioned as far as the biblical justice link there. Um, I'm going to try to get some of the others linked as I fix his other stuff as well. You can also find his his personal podcast, which is the Firm Foundation podcast. What are you guys doing over there? 
Well, that is mainly it's my Sunday sermons. And also I do a, uh, a Wednesday morning talk called Firm Foundation Inspiration Minute. It's about one to three minutes of a talk I do every Wednesday. I'm now on 104 talk. In fact, this morning, Wednesday was 104th. And my topic was confident in completion. And so it's a brief inspirational talk. I text it out to followers and friends. And I do that as well. My heart is just to try to encourage people. My mother, late mother, had a phrase that said, she said, be encouraged, be encouraged. She was famous for that. And so I want to encourage people because people need encouragement today. That's my objective in life is to encourage people right now. Awesome. So, again, BrianHudson.com, you can find all of that. MrMisfits.com, if you go to the guest portal, you'll be able to find his stuff there as well. He also is involved with a ton of stuff within his community as well as within the community of pastors in his community. Yes. Um, doing some different stuff. He, uh, You're also a very, very amazing photographer. I know you don't necessarily like to brag about that one, but a lot of your work is beyond believable that you're able to even get those kind of shots. So um, thank you. (laughs) His photography links also are available there in his guest portal, all that good stuff. So go check that out. Um, Like I said, we are closing down season three. We're getting close to the end here. We've got a couple more conversations uh, or actually maybe only one more. I don't remember where we're at in the schedule now. Uh, but we got one or two more conversations here coming up and then we're hoping, hoping, hoping that by March we'll have been able to at least get started on the new Bible study for our Patreon followers. So patreon.com backslash ministry misfits, any, any of the levels get you access to the Bible studies. Last year we were able to, we went through Galatians this year, Tamiko and I are going to walk through the book of Daniel, um, Honestly, a lot of the stuff we talked about tonight is a lot of what we are going to be unraveling as we walk through Daniel as far as how to actually read what it is that Daniel is doing mm-hmm. and why it actually matters to us. If you go back and listen to the episode I did with Dr. Scott McKnight, a lot of similar themes that we talked about as far as how we read discipleship and revelation is how we, we what we also see as far as the relevance for us as believers back in the book of Daniel. So if you want to be a part of that, patreon.com backslash Mr. Misfits. Again, we're hoping to have more information as far as when the Bible study actually is going to start coming up here in the next few weeks. So Dr. Hudson, again, thank you for coming back on. I'm sure you'll be back because there's plenty more for us to talk about. Um, And in the meantime, we will see the rest of you next week. Thank you. God bless. The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com 
backslash ministry misfits. 